How to network effectively at a time like this. I'm so glad Dave talked to me about this because it's such an important topic right now. We're recording this during the pandemic and there's no way that we can network, right? Dave just talked to me about this and it just really helped me a lot. And I hope it will help you too. But first, let's get into our sponsor. This podcast, and actually my business, wouldn't be as pretty if it weren't for our friends from Musicbed. Find the perfect song for your films with a highly curated roster featuring hundreds of artists, bands, and composers. As a Wedding Boss Nest listener, you could get your first month of subscription free or 20% off of a single song purchase. Just enter the promo code WEDDINGBOSSNESS when you check out. Or just click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Wedding Bossness Podcast, the wedding videography podcast that talks to business experts and asks the question, how can I make my business better? Today's guest is Dave Berlin, and we're talking about the power of relationships and how to build them online. You know how entrepreneurs and business owners are always trying to have more influence and make more money? Dave helps heart-centered serial entrepreneurs get out of their own way and build systems so that they can start more businesses and, I love this part, go on more vacations. He actually offers a complimentary assessment to see where he can explore ways his clients can communicate their vision more clearly. And if it makes sense, they can dive into their company culture, establish a strategic plan for sales and marketing, and build trust in their leaders to effectively scale. Helping these entrepreneurs allow him to live his fullest life and chase his passion to help veterans start and grow businesses so that they can be successful in their transition from service to civilian life. His clients say that he gives them hope. But more importantly, they have the confidence to empower their teams to grow the company without them. And this gives them the ability to keep the promises to their families who have supported every sacrifice along their journey. The story of how Dave and I met is exactly why this topic is important. Thanks for joining me as we both learn something new today. This is the Wedding Boss Podcast. Hey, Dave. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me, man. It's great to be here. I'd, I I was telling you earlier, this is so special to me. Um, networking has always been like a, a, a hindrance to my growth as a person <laughs> and as a, as a business owner. So I cannot wait for, for us to just go you, you know, down that hole. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm happy to help however I can. Awesome. So before we start, I would love it if you tell the listeners and the viewers something about yourself that they'd probably be surprised to know about. Yeah. Um, gosh, I know we'll talk about the wedding stuff and, and um, you know, it's interesting for people to know this, but even though I have DJed more than 400 events all across the country, here's a random fact that people may not know about me based on my demeanor and my positive attitude. I was a drill instructor for at-risk youth for seven years after I got out of the Marine Corps, and I worked with kids that were high school dropouts very much in a high-impact, um, you know, high-stress area and environment where uh, I wasn't the happy guy bouncing behind the speakers, you know, encouraging people to dance. Uh, I was definitely a level of authority, and that blows most people's minds. When it's, it's kind of both ways, right? They think that when they heard that I did that and then became a wedding DJ, they're like, how does, how does somebody even do that? But for people that have known me in the last decade, they're just like, wait, what? Yeah. So that's a, a fun fact. Okay. That's good to know because um, I, when we met the first time, I, I, I think the one thing that gave away a sense of authority is your posture because you have, you have really good posture. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> You're like walking around the room with your back straight. And I'm like, oh, this guy probably has like law enforcement background. At first, I thought you were like a, a cop or something, you know, um, but now it makes it makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah. I think generally people can tell I was in the military and a lot of people will say, Oh, were you a Marine? It's like, I absolutely was. But had I just got out of the Marine Corps in 2003, I probably would have slunched back a little bit, but I chose to continue that service just in a little bit different track uh, as I was working with at-risk youth as a drill instructor. Yeah. That's cool. I think um, I, I know a handful of people from the Marine um, that work in the wedding industry and they're like the happiest people. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's amazing to me how much of what I learned in the military did transfer over into the, the, because there's a level of excellence that comes with being in the military, especially in the Marine Corps. And it doesn't matter what you do. It could be moving a hole five feet back. We're going to do it with enthusiasm and we're going to do it with integrity. And I think in the wedding business, gosh, there's nothing, there's no other business where it's, it's more important. Right. Um, you know, there's all kinds of great service at restaurants and things like that, but this is a moment that people never get back. And it was interesting to see how, how the things that I learned from the military and the youth Academy and how well they transformed and transpired over into what I did in the wedding world. And it's continues to just be an anchor and a foundation for everything I try to bring to every event. That's cool. I, I also, I think the amount of training that you guys have makes you not be scared of anything anymore. So you're pretty confident that you're okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, talk about operate under pressure. You know what I mean? Like everything can go wrong in, in a wedding, but not to the degree that it can go wrong in the yeah. military. Uh, so it does kind of minimize that, but it minimizes it in a good way. Um, it, it is to me, it is a very, I take both of them very, very seriously. Okay, cool. Well, now that um, you, you talked about uh, going from being a Marine to the wedding industry, let's talk about how you got into the industry and what you're up to right now. Yeah. So the, the fun story is if you look at any of my profile pictures, pretty much anywhere on my podcast, you know, now I'm on Clubhouse, all these different places where I show up, uh, you'll see that part of my brand is the boombox on my head. And the boombox, uh, the boombox that I have, uh, you can see three of those boomboxes in, you know, right behind me right now. But the story of how I got into the wedding industry actually starts with the boombox uh, up on top of my shelf. As I was working for that youth academy for uh, almost seven years, uh, you don't make a lot of money working for the state of Oklahoma. I worked a second full-time job as an electrician, and I used to I used to be the DJ on all of our job sites. We'd be wiring up houses and I would just play fun, motivational music. And I've always been a fun, energetic guy. I've been carrying that boombox since 2001 and just always, you know, trying to be the, the life of the party, life of every situation up and down the coast in California. And it was a guy on the job site that said, Hey, my friend owns this wedding DJ business. And I think you guys would really get along. You're always fun, energetic. You should go meet him. Went to go meet him. And I immediately fell in love with the company culture in their, in their, in their office. Um, this was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm in Las Vegas now, but this was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I walked in, there was this whole energy that I had never seen. I wasn't really exposed to business or any of that stuff. And one of the founders of the company was doing this talk about goals and, you know, really inspiring people. And I was like, this is like, this is where I want to be all the time. Now I had had my fun with DJing music and stuff, just kind of on my own, on my own time, just for me. But like, I saw it as an opportunity to plug into business and I raised my hand and I volunteered for everything that I could. And, and that's how I got into the industry. Little did I know that I would help that business uh, scale. Like I, I realized that it was, that's where I started to discover my power in entrepreneurship and that's to scale. They told me this business wasn't scalable. I, you know, I said, yeah, I bet it is. I was reading all these books that they kept giving me and I just kept flipping them back on them and saying it is. And then they gave me keys to Dallas. Uh, I opened up an office in Dallas. I drove there for a year, uh, scaled it out. I went to Kansas City for a year. And while I was there, we ended up opening five cities total. Um, since I've left, they've opened six more cities and they're the largest privately held uh, wedding entertainment company in the country. Wow, still? Still. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Privately held. Now there's the, you know, there's your, your franchise ones and stuff out there, but they're privately held. They're all under the same umbrella 
uh, from the Tulsa office. And the biggest step there was recreating their core values and reinventing their mission statement. Um, once we did that, it just, it came together in a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, I ultimately left later because I wanted to be able to take this to other businesses and, and show them this process for scalability. And, and, you know, I, I love bouncing around doing totally different random things. Um, so that's, that's been my, my passion and that's my path. That's so cool. So when you, when you say scale, um, you know, obviously we, we see that scale means like growing into different directions. What, what kind of scale do you see since you have a lot of experience with this when it comes to like, just like for me, like a, a just like a normal wedding videographer by myself, mm-hmm. I don't really want to grow my company into like this multi-million dollar thing. What kind of scale do you think I should be focusing on? So that's a great question. Um, I'll, I'll run you through a quick ladder here. And for anybody who's taking notes, this is where you really need to know where you are. And this is also for anybody that does any kind of B2B uh, photography or videography or anywhere that they've translated from the private industry into the professional industry, this stuff will be key for you. There's, there's a couple of levels on the level of growth where you're at, right? So number one is you're a hobbyist. A hobbyist is somebody who does it for free they're really good, but they, they never charge. I couldn't imagine charging for this. You know, this is the, this is the lady that has an amazing piece of land and she just couldn't charge, but she'll let people come have weddings uh, in their backyard because it's just, you know, they just love doing it. That's a hobbyist. A freelancer is somebody who does start to charge for their services, but they don't have any kind of a real system, right? So uh, this might be where caterers kind of started out like, oh, your recipe for, for tamales is amazing. You should sell those. And now they sell them by the tub, but that's it, right? They don't have anything that they, they source out. Number three is the solopreneur. And the solopreneur, guess what makes them different is they hire freelancers for some level of scale in their business. And that's it. It could be editing. It could be um, you know, it could be servers, whatever. They don't do it all themselves. They do bring a few people on. And then from solopreneur to entrepreneur, entrepreneurs have normally brought on their first major hire, somebody to start implementing these systems. Maybe they've brought on a C-suite level person, a chief marketing officer, chief operations, uh, or something to that effect, where it's somebody that takes not as much responsibility, but a pretty big responsibility of that business to take it to another level. Past uh, entrepreneur, you have CEO, and CEO means they have two or three of those C-suite level people around them that handle most of the business and they're working on stepping out of it, right? And then the final level is business owner. And here's where people get it twisted. A lot of people, as soon as they start, and no offense if this is anybody listening, as soon as you start a business, you call yourself a CEO. Sometimes that's really not the case. You're a founder, you're, you're, you're a business owner, but a, a true owner in this ladder diagram is somebody who has created all the systems where they can step away from their business indefinitely and things continue to not only run, but continue to grow. And, and knowing where somebody is at on each one of those levels, there's different levels of growth, there's different challenges, and there's different levels of breakthrough that they have to experience to get to that next level And to your point, to answer your question in a really long way, it depends on how far you want to go. If you want to maximize your your business at the solopreneur level, bro, here's the couple of the things that might happen. And this is where you can stay focused. And this is where you can recreate that experience. And then from there, like, you know where you're going and you know where where you're not going. Man. Okay. That alone is, uh, we should probably just end the interview right now. That gave me so much clarity because it's truth, bro. It's it, so much truth. It makes me cringe to call myself CEO. I'm the owner. Um, it makes me cringe because I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I, yeah, yeah, I own the business. I, I'm the operating. I operate and own the business. Mm-hmm. But then like these, sorry, I'm taking notes. That's why I'm doing this. No, but, you're good. Um, these these ladders these steps makes it so much more clearer to me because now yeah. I, I i just call myself owner the only time yeah. i call myself ceo is when i'm on linkedin <laughs> yeah <laughs> but other places yeah 
Well, we'll think of this, like, look at every one of those, look at every one of those levels and now pretend that you, you are doing a B2B service. Let's say you want to do video production for, for somebody. If you look at every one of those titles, you can see every one of those titles have a different budget because of where they're at. And if you know, Hey, I, I do, I do uh, business marketing videos for people that are at that solopreneur level, looking to break through to entrepreneur, then you know that nobody's going to pay more than $3,000 or just have like a big operating budget for that. If you took that same, that same $3,000 budget to somebody that owns uh, that is at the owner level or maybe the, the top CEO level, you say $3,000, what are they going to say? Oh, it's probably not good. They were thinking it was going to cost $30,000 because their day-to-day is at that level of how much things cost in the world of business when they're playing at that level. Man, I I remember um, I was talking to uh, this one person, I forgot who, but we were talking about um, website creation, right? And so what he did was he was trying to get into corporate and he quoted the company uh Two thousand dollars for web design. Like the base base rate for web design is two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The guy who he emailed, which is probably like HR, the, the hiring person, emailed back and say, "Can you make that into twelve thousand instead of two? Because yeah. this isn't gonna be approved. It's too low for us." So that that's that, that's great. That's that's really good to know. Yeah, it's important to know where you are and also who you're serving. And then that's that I learned that a couple of years ago, uh, that little ladder diagram, and it helps in everything that I do, whether it be consulting, B2B, all of it. It's it's just a, a big aha. And it helps me when I consult and do strategic planning with people because I can draw that out and I say, Who are you going after? And as soon as they have that clarity, then everything just gets super focused. Man. Okay. So you said you, you do strategy with other people, right? So do you Mm -hmm. do coaching as well? Do you do mentorship? Yeah. Yeah. I do coaching. I do consulting. Everything to me starts with the plan. Um, I'm, I'm one of those rare, rare people. Uh, Ray Dalio calls this a shaper. It's somebody that can have a tremendous amount of vision and it generally exceeds the vision of most people that I work with. But at the same time, because of my operational background, I can then turn that vision into a plan and a process of execution. And I can take one little tabletop idea that somebody has, and I can run it down a filter for 10 years of a massive business or industry, like just an idea. And I can, I can spiral it out of control. A lot of times people don't need coaching. They don't need long-term solutions. They don't need to be in a mastermind for a year. Sometimes they just need somebody to look at what they're thinking put it into a little bit more of a perspective and give them a plan of execution. So I start every interaction with that. However, if people do need some ongoing execution and assistance, I can help, I can help them with that. Um, and, and for, especially in the wedding industry, um, that the part of the way that I built that whole book of business for the, for DJ connection was strategic partnerships. And it was strategic partnerships in every single community that we grew into. So that's, that's where it started. Man, uh, you know, I, I think we left out one really big part of your resume, which is your, your speaking. So yeah. the, the, let's continue the, the background of like how you got into the industry and what you're up to right now. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us about like how you got into speaking gigs and what, where have you spoken at? Yeah, so the speaking was actually, it was a byproduct of everything that I was learning and growing with the business. I could tell you it was after Dallas that I was in Kansas City and I, I was putting the furniture together, man. I was putting furniture together, um, listening to a book uh, called Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea. Uh, the, the rest in peace. Yep. Rest in yeah, peace. If, you got it, if you got it on, <laughs> on your shelf, dude, he's one of the most impactful people in my life. Now, Uh, It was in that same little season that I was reading that book that I saw my first TED talk and it was called, if I should have a daughter by Sarah Kay. I was like at a, at a hotel up in Kansas city, getting ready for a wedding. And I saw this video and I was just in tears in the first three minutes. And for the rest of the 18 minutes, I was just bawling. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to speak. And I set the big, crazy intention that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak at the time. I was really passionate about business. And I was really passionate about veteran transition. 
So I set the big, crazy, audacious goal to do a TED Talk in 10 years, 2023. So here we are in 2021. Uh, that would be two years from now, but it was actually 14 months later that I did my first TED talk. And then I got into speaking. I've spoken at Disrupt HR. So I've talked a lot in the, uh, in the world of corporate, uh, corporate development. And, you know, I'm really all about the human element of business growth, people building relationships, networking, all of those things. That's where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, and now I speak on, I speak on stages virtually. Um, I'm really starting to break into this whole crazy clubhouse thing that a lot of people are doing right now. And then I also host my own virtual events and live events as well, uh, based on the topic, uh, why networking. Which is how we're going to go into our topic. But just so people who are watching this or listening, uh, all the links of the TED Talks and the, all of the links that you need are going to be in the show notes after, after the episode. But so now I want to ask you about networking. Like mm -hmm. oh, we all know that networking is important, but why should we network? Like, is there a perfect time to network and, and why should it be now? Yeah, man, that's a powerful question. And I'm just going to be real if I can. I'm going to be real to everybody that's listening because I know there's a lot of people that are in the wedding industry. And I'm just going to tell you, nothing is promised. Nothing. If, if anybody has been affected by, by the year 2020, especially in the wedding industry, then I'm, I'm talking to you. Like relationships, they matter. And, and here's what I've learned is that things change, business cards change, titles change, but, but networking isn't about getting another invoice, right? Networking is about unlocking more opportunities in every single person you meet. Because guess what? When that business card changes or when that title changes, it's going to be the people that you've connected with personally, professionally, that are going to introduce you to that new opportunity. And I'm going to tell you, if you were the person that tries to sell everybody in every single interaction, then they're not even going to take your call when you call and ask for, for help. They're not right. Cause you're the, you're, you're the sleazy salesperson. And, and after going to all these different networking events and talking at all these things, what I've learned is most people get frustrated with networking when somebody tries to sell them. And, and, and I've, I've learned that it, not everybody is going to a networking event to sell, right? They're going to grow. And we, we, oftentimes we get growth associated with sales because we think to grow our business, we have to sell. That's true. But I, I really just want to explore the, the definitions of networking versus prospecting, because this is where I feel a lot of people get it wrong. And this is why it's more vital now than ever. If you look at prospecting, it's introducing your business, your service, or your product to a person or institution with the primary goal to get them into your sales process and convert them to becoming a paid client or customer. That's literally what the definition of prospecting is. And there's always this big hairy word in, in the prospecting cycle where we close and I want you to think, yes, we might close for business, but you also might close that relationship forever. So on the other side of the spectrum, we have networking. Networking is about introducing ideas and information to people or institutions with the primary focus to build positive relationships for life and business. So I want, I want to just pause and, and really resonate there. It doesn't have the word sale, sale in it at all. There is no selling when it comes to networking. In fact, networking is about unlocking more opportunities in every person that you meet. The word close is not in there. But what most people do is they fall back to their sales process that they've been coached on or that they've taught. So all I want to do is replace that with a simple uh, set of principles that can help people continue to unlock more and more opportunities, right? The first one is to show up, right? Number one is to show up. So you can attend an event, you can go somewhere, you can be part of a group, just show up. You don't have to do this all the time, but the time that you're dedicating to networking and building relationships, find somewhere and show up. Number two is to serve. And when I say serve, 
And you've got to figure out a way to connect them to somebody else, right? You've got to figure out a way that you can bring value and expect nothing in return. That's the key. Expect nothing in return. Number three is share. There's somebody in your network that needs to see what, what you're doing and they might need to see what somebody else is doing. If you see somebody hosting an event, if you're connected to them, just hit the share button. It doesn't cost you a thing. It won't tarnish your brand, but if somebody else sees something because of you, like you can bring value to everyone around you, right? And people are watching. So when you hit the share button, when somebody's hiring for a job in, in Bumsville, Ohio, or Idaho, like when you click that share button, it might fall on the right eyes, but whoever posted that is going to say, Dave, thank you so much. Like that really means a lot. How can I help you? Right? Number four is to think synergy. And, and in this industry, I want to bring this up because the, the people that you're working with right now, the people that are in your network, business, professional, any of that stuff, the, their, their titles might change as well. There could be a long-term uh, collaboration that hasn't even been formed yet. Like the people that you meet, hell man, I met you two years ago, two years ago. But now here we are and the, the whole wedding world is flipped up on side of its head. There's probably six or seven things we might be able to collaborate on, right? That never would have been a thing. And if I tried to close you for coaching or something back then, you'd been like, dude, that guy was a dick. Like, I don't want to talk to that guy. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it closes that relationship. So think synergy, think long-term. Number five, and I'm, I'm almost done with the principles. Number five is my favorite. It's for me. It's selfish. I smile. It sounds so, so simple but I have Marine Corps resting Marine face where a lot of times I can look like I'm super pissed off and I'm not, I'm having the best time. I just look really focused. So sometimes just smiling and staying positive will help more people gravitate to you. And then finally, my favorite one, and this is one that resonates with a lot of people. It's the idea of shopping local, right? So I get bonus points because all six of those uh, start with the letter S notice how none of them start with the cell right? So some people just show up and sell. I'm talking about show up, serve, you know, share synergy, smile and shop local. Here's the thing about shop local. It can be in your local market, but it can be uh, across your landscape, wherever you shop online with maybe you're in a Facebook group. I work a lot with veterans. So if I can give a website deal to somebody who's a veteran in Minnesota, I'm going to do that before I refer somebody sometimes right here in Las Vegas if I can, because I want to work with people that I, I can shop local for. So veteran, veteran-owned business is local for me. What does local mean to you? I'll tell you what local isn't. Local isn't Amazon. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying Amazon's bad. Here's the deal. If you order something from Amazon, they will send you exactly what you bought. Exactly. Sometimes cheaper and sometimes faster than anybody else on the planet. Agreed? Oh yeah, for sure. But Amazon is not going to be there when you lose your job. Amazon is not going to be there when your industry flips upside down to introduce you to the next opportunity. And they're not going to be there to hold your hand when something happens in your life. Uh, like the people that you've actually built the relationships around. And a lot of times if you become somebody else's client, they're going to unlock their whole network of people that can, that can, they can introduce for you to be their client as well. Right. So, so the whole thing with shop local, that's one of the most powerful things that I teach people is continue to do all of these things, but here's where it gets twisted. When people go to a networking event, they go, they go to sell, right? But they also go to, to network, but here's the biggest thing that I've learned. And this has been the aha moment in the last couple of months. I, I would ask this question. I've been asking this question for three years. When I go to these events, how many people came here? to introduce their business to somebody new. And a lot of people would raise their hand and probably 80% of the people would raise their hand. Then I'd say, cool, how many people here just came to make new relationships? And the other 20%, their hands would go up. And the hands that were already up would reach a little bit higher. So now we got all the hands up. Everybody came here to either build new relationships or introduce their product or service, right? We're all in the same frequency when it comes to that. But when I say how many people here came to be sold by somebody else today, all their hands go down. So you're going into an environment to sell whenever people aren't going into an environment where they want to be sold. So all I ask is that you leave the sales 
for the trade shows. You leave the sales for the one-on-one conversations. You leave the sales for the referrals. But when you go to connect, just go to connect. It's going to unlock a million opportunities. And, and I thought about this conversation before we got on today. And I'm like, if you're in the wedding industry and you're a videographer and you're not doing a lot of deals right now, you might have to pivot up your industry a little bit. Go do some videos for these speakers. Go do some videos for these influencers. Follow these people around with a camera. Like your job at a wedding is to follow people around with cameras and create uh, unforgettable stories. Do that for some of these influencers and they're going to unlock a whole world of opportunity back to you. So if they ever turn this caution tape around weddings into a velvet rope, dude, you've just amplified your whole network 10 hundred fold. Uh, so that's just been one of those things that, that I've been thinking about where um, building those relationships right now really matters. Man, this that just reaffirmed, well, most of what our strategy was. And, you know, when we started out, um, we wanted to network, but I didn't really want to sell to people, not because I heard it from someone that, you know, you're not supposed to sell, but we we only do a handful of weddings a year. So I don't really want to like, hey, maybe you need to have like blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I didn't want to do that, but I really wanted to create relationships with people and, um, you know, just have a great time. Like we're, we always go to Vegas because we want to eat, we want to drink, we want to like have a good time. And, you know, the I was going to tell you that during the NAB thing, that was um, – a pivotal moment for me personally, because I, I told you earlier, English is in my first language. And so I got so scared and it's usually my wife, me and my wife with me. And then we go to networking events and she does the talking. I do the drinking. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like a great yeah. combination, but then that night she, she wasn't feeling too good. So I was going by myself and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like there, when I got there, it's all women first. And then the guys came in and, you know, I was trying to look for like someone who looks like me because that's my default. Like I need to, hopefully there's a Filipino person here, but no one came. But then you guys walked up to me and you asked me, hey, what do you do? What kind of podcast do you have? And, you know, from there on, I started to develop. I mean, not on that day that I'm like, okay, instant networker. No, of course. But yeah. it gave me the 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 confidence to um, to start talking to people. And I, I really thank you for that. That's why I'm like, I need to get Dave into this podcast. <laughs> I love it, man. No, I'm great to be here. And, and fun fact, I don't know if I told you that day and some people can tell, some people can't. I'm half Filipino if that counts, man. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I mean, and, and here's the thing is I always listen to how people frame up, right? I was doing this little fun video the other day and it's like, I hear these things all the time. I hear networking isn't worth my time. I suck at networking. I'm not good in social situations. Uh, guys just see that as open season to hit on me, right? I, I don't say that, but like, that's what, that's what a lot of women say. And they're not wrong. Like a lot of guys do see that as opportunity to hit on them. Sometimes it's hard to tell that balance. So it can be a really frustrating place. All I'm trying to do is offer a different cycle and a different net, like a, a different mentality around networking, which is why I call it why networking um, is to, to really understand what you're here to do. And if you're here to connect, like connect on the deepest level. One, one of my good friends, uh, he's an author. He has this incredible book called Friend of a Friend. And he did an amazing TED Talk. His name's Dr. David Burkus. David Burkus. And what's amazing is he talks about dormant relationships. Uh, there's two kids, and I, I paraphrase this a little bit, but there's two guys, they were friends in high school right? High school, 20 years ago, they were friends in high school, but they were from the same friend group, but they weren't like homies. They didn't spend the night at each other's house. Fast forward 15 years or whatever. They're at a wedding because of same, same friend circles. They're sitting funny that they're sitting at a wedding, right? We're on a wedding podcast, but they're sitting at a wedding and they're talking at a table because they happen to be seated together. Hey bro, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working for the boxing commission now. Oh, cool. What are you working on? Uh, I'm trying to get this martial arts things licensed by the boxing commission. And that's how the UFC was born. The UFC was born of a dormant relationship from two kids that kind of knew each other in high school. And when that circle of that, that, that came back full circle, 
it created one of the biggest synergies ever where now we have a, a whole different sport that is looked at in a totally different way because of those relationships. So always plant those seeds, always be looking for opportunities to connect at a higher level and, and do it with no expectations. Like nobody that's sitting right in front of you is your client. This is the last I'll rant on it. I set it up where I cannot sell the person that I'm talking to. I just can't. Now, keep in mind, I was the sales director of that, that wedding DJ business. I've been a sales and leadership coach with one of the largest firms that talk about sales like on the planet. So I definitely talk sales, but there's a time and a place for it. And that's kind of where my whole experience came from in having this conversation was I realized it's two totally different things. So you can still create a clear path back to your services. And when somebody refers you, absolutely, they're a referral. That's part of the sales process. It's not part of the networking process, right? So when you get into that networking process, it's with no expectations, just serve the hell out of people. Yeah. Oh man, serve. I cannot emphasize enough serve. And you know, I just, a last thing I'm going to touch on when it comes to networking, whenever I, at least for me, what I do is um, I try to talk to people. I look for people who are not talking to anyone in the room and then I approach them and I'm like, Hey, I'm Paul. This is what I do. Blah, blah, blah. What are you looking for here? Who are you looking for? Maybe I could connect you with people I know and I introduce them to the person and I'm like, okay, now I could go to the bar and drink. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, I did my Give job. You. That's awesome. <laughs> and we no. built so many relationships after that. That's perfect. And that's why I host events, right? So when I host events, I get to be that connector for people. Uh, so that's really where I end up is there's, there's a few places you can go to events. You can show up, you can host events and that's awesome. The fun stuff that I'm getting into now is that now I create these growth experiences, right? It's like a book club a mastermind, these little pockets of, of people for six weeks, three months, whatever, to where we can all collaborate on stuff that we're working on individually, but we can also grow together as a group. Those are what I've found to be really powerful. So that's what I'm focusing a lot of my time and energy on now. And, and business at those tables, it's going to happen. Like, I, I'm not worried about that. It's not your forced referral, though, where, hey, Paul, I want you to be my guest at this thing, because I have to have a guest at least every month. And, and, I need you to come with referrals. And if you don't come with referrals, you can't be part of this club anymore. Like it's not, it's not that at all. It's just a place where people are already growing. Like let's grow together. And then sometimes business happens. Uh, but that's, that's what I love to do at networking events. I'll either take one of my boom boxes just cause it starts fun, fun conversations or I'll sit down and I'll just put a couple of books out and, and let people like walk by and be like, Hey, what, what book is that? you know, and, and then they'll start a conversation. And now I know that I'm talking to somebody who else, who also likes books and, you know, maybe we'll never do business, but I could get the best book referral of my whole life from that person because of the world of experience that he brings, the world of experience that I bring. And, and that's the, that's the difference between prospecting and networking. I love that prospecting and networking. I, I've never put two and two together. I never, thought about thinking about that, you know, so mm -hmm. that, that's great. I, I really appreciate that. So now that you said uh, you organize events, mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, let's briefly talk about um, how has networking changed? Because right now we're recording this during a pandemic, it's 2021. Um, I'm pretty sure networking has changed. So how, how, how has it changed? And when it comes to using social media as a networking platform, how do you think people should handle it? But before you even think about what your answer is, I'd love to quickly thank our friends from HoneyBook. HoneyBook is a CRM, which stands for Customer Relationship Management System. And that software helps us manage and organize our customers' data. Clients always comment on how fast we respond to their inquiries. Since HoneyBook is one of the only small business CRMs that has an app, we get an alert every time someone fills out our contact form and then we are able to send them a brochure right away. It all boils down to the customer experience. The more you make it easy for them, the more comfortable they will be in handing you their money. By eliminating that part of your business, you get to have your life back and your clients will get the experience that they deserve. Win-win. So if you use my referral link, you'll get 50% off on your first year. That's not all. 
I really want you to succeed. So once you become a member through us, you'll be getting a 30-minute phone call to answer your questions about anything, your business or HoneyBook. Just click on the links in the show notes. I'm so sorry. What was your answer to my question? Right now, I say use it, use it, use it. Like we have the like people could say, oh, it's harder, and say, oh, I missed live events. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? However, your frequency is still set to lack. We don't have something. What we do have right now is is the craziest ability to connect on levels that we never thought to before because this is all we can do. So to me, it's like you can connect. I can be I can be in seven different cities today. Today, I can speak in seven different cities to seven different big circles of people today, right? I remember the very first Saturday of the pandemic. It was probably like March 19th, March 20th, whatever that was last year. I remember the very first Saturday, seven o'clock, somebody, 7 a.m. on a Saturday, people had conquered the chaos, all these virtual summits. I showed up on a Saturday, I took notes and everybody that spoke that I resonated with, I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I said, Hey, I really like what you said here. One guy invited me to his calendar. I grabbed a call with him. His name's Ron Klein. He's a veteran. That's what grabbed my attention. He invented the magnetic stripe on the back of credit cards. He's the guy who created the whole MLS and MLS system for mortgage and real estate people. And he automated the New York stock exchange. Like I never would have had the opportunity to even know who he was or what he was doing unless I was right there at that event. And even still, I probably would have been in one of the side rooms building relationships, network, networking with people, never would have known who he was, but now we know who each other are and that's an opportunity. So I always tell people this right now, use this opportunity. It doesn't matter what you're doing for business. It doesn't matter what you're doing for influence. Every connection that you make right now is it has the ability to expand our network overall and when, but I'll even say it like a jerk, if they ever take the caution tape off or let's be more positive when they take the caution tape off and turn it into that velvet rope, we've now have 10,000 more people that know who we are than, than, than the otherwise. And, and again, it's not about who we are or what we offer. It's just that when we do have something that we can bring value to somebody else, now we have that many more people that we can connect for somebody else. Like that's the currency that, that we have now. And it's the opportunity to connect in ways that we never could before. Man. Okay. So when it comes to uh, social media, do you think, I know, I know it's, you, you still need to serve, you still need to share. Do you, when, when should you sell? Because that's, I guess it's easier to sell on social media than, than, you know, like talking to people and then immediately sell it. Mm-hmm. When do you, when should you sell within those six? Is, is sell the last thing? Uh, are you talking about on the, the principles? On the principles. Yeah. yeah, it's great. So the sell is not one of the principles on networking, okay. but, but because I'm not, I'm not like evil and, and stupid, like, yes, you need to sell, but here's the important thing. You need to have a clear path of what you sell and what you offer all the time. And, and when you do offer, that's okay. You are selling, but you're not networking. So networking is, is the piece that opening all these new relationships, selling comes whenever it's time for you to sell. That could be, and like, if, like I said, if somebody's like, oh, I want to refer you to somebody, referral is part of the sales process. So when you go into that referral, you're calling them because you're offering your product or service because you've been referred, but you're not calling to talk about books. Yeah, you're going to build some of that relationship. That's part of the sales process too, building rapport. But if somebody has referred you for business, then you're calling with the intent to close. See the difference? And so like, I'll give the example, like you can have a clear path back to you who you are all the time. That's what your little calls to action are on Instagram. If somebody clicks on your link, there should be something on that link that, that, that does have a price or a, a package or a product that somebody can engage with. That's a clear path. That's, that's being used to sell, but, but you're not sending people to that page to network with them. You're networking over here. So it's just two different places where you're doing, uh, it's the, the, the one cycle is just unlocking more opportunities. One cycle is closing 
the relevant opportunities that are prospects. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Okay. So last question before we get to tie it, tie everything up. Um, this is for people who are kind of like me, who are um, uh, English isn't the first language, who are having a, a, seeing networking as a stumbling block, block, stumbling block because we're either shy or super introvert. What advice can you give to people who are in that category? Not to yeah. try to put people in a box. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, that, that's a great question. Don't feel like you have to do it like everybody else. Don't. There's some people that are naturally more extroverted. There's people that are naturally more introverted. What I always say, find out what works for you. If you're not a very extroverted person, then you don't need to be in 17 different Facebook groups, right? Uh, and this goes for both people. Uh, if you're in 17 different Facebook groups, here's what I would challenge you to do. Shrink that down to two. If you can just be like involved or engaged with two, and if you really want to be engaged, take it a step further, offer to be an admin for one group. That was the biggest game changer for me last year. I was in 27 different groups, wasn't showing up to any of them. And I was going through and just spinning the same little come to my event and like 20, like copy and paste in 27 different groups. What changed the game for me last year was I stepped back from all that. I became an admin of one and I brought more value to that one by creating a network of uh, happy hours, coffee connections, and, and, and doing like a, a little training thing that just by, by spending three to four hours in that one group, it, it probably doubled my business. Uh, and here's the thing. I didn't even charge one person out of that whole group for any of my services. It's just by bringing that level of engagement and showing people who I am and saying who I am, people wanted to help me and they sent referrals. That's crazy. It just goes to show that, you know, in everything you do, it's kind of like the principles that you said, just you, you need to go through the steps. You need to build it really slow and, um, you know, just like kind of like compound interest, you know, just make sure that it it's a little bit more solid. True. Yep. That's it. So, man. My gosh, I can't believe we've talked about so many things. You know, the, my my thing was I was trying to make this um I was trying to make this episode, you know, evergreen. Like just mm-hmm. so, you know, after pandemic, people will get to blah blah blah, but it I it's just amazing that I, networking is like the last thing on my mind when it comes to running a business not right now because there's like no events nowhere to network at but you just showed us how and it's we could actually start on it like right now after we after yeah. listening to this episode it's amazing yeah yeah and that's the thing is like i mean and especially just being where where i'm at geographically like dude you always got somebody to to grab you at the airport or, or drop you off or, or grab a drink whenever you're in vegas like that's it's not like that for everybody because of where you're at and people are in all different kinds of places, but it can be, it can be like, man, just, I'll tell you the the most weird thing that happened to me on clubhouse so far. Oh, there's been a lot of weird things that have happened on clubhouse, (laughs) but I was, I was in a podcast room the other day and I was like, where's everybody at? And they're like, Oh, Pedro's from so-and-so, but he's in Oklahoma. I'm like, Oklahoma. Like that's where I'm from. Where you at in Oklahoma? Dude, this guy's in my hometown, like sitting in my hometown where I grew up. And it's wow. like an hour away from Tulsa. Nobody's ever heard of this town at all. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing there? And it's like such a small world. Like that's, that's so what cool. I've learned about this whole world is like, it's all such a small world. Right. I mean, I was at a wedding. I was at a wedding show down in Dallas. Guy walks by. Remember sales, sales environment. Hey, you need a DJ? And he goes, oh, man, you can't help me. I'm like, try me. He goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm from New York. She's from here. We're looking at somewhere in between. We wanted to think maybe Nashville at the time. We didn't have a, an office or branch in Nashville, but I was like, hmm, I've never DJed in Nashville. And I just, you know, I didn't want it to be like at somebody's house in the backyard. Cause they'd never pay for that. I was like, where's it at? And they're like union station. I was like, okay, cool. Quoted them on it. They booked it. I drove out 10 hours from, from Tulsa. And guess what? There's a branch in, in Nashville now. Wow all because of that one random interaction that happened on a sales floor on a Saturday in Dallas, Texas, like, and, and that little pebble 
has now turned into a big rock. And now Nashville's like the third largest city out of the 10 that they've got. That's crazy. It's just, all you have to do is just start and, you know, just take a leap of faith. There it is. It's amazing. So, okay. <clears throat> now, if there's one thing that you want, uh, if there's one takeaway that you want people to get from this episode, what would it be? Yeah. Networking is not about getting another invoice. It's not about getting another prospect. It's not about closing a deal. There is no ABC. It's not always be closing. It's always be connecting. It, it's about unlocking the opportunities in every single person you meet. That's what networking is, right? So, you know, all I'm trying to do is help people have a cycle because that's what we gravitate to. It's like, well, I don't know what to say. So I think I'll go into sales mode. When you go into sales mode, you, you end that opportunity before it even has the, the chance to, to come alive. So now just keep doing that cycle, use those principles and, and just keep unlocking more opportunities and expect nothing in return. Fantastic. Well, th Dave, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Uh, I've, I can't believe that <laughs> it's what it's been like 40 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it, it felt like it's been like 15 minutes, but, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just fun to talk to you again. Uh, fun to see you again. Thank God for Zoom. <laughs> um, we get to connect with people and it's it's I, I really appreciate that that night when you were there and you started talking to me. It just built my confidence and I can't thank you enough. So thank you. Got you. it, man. Thanks for having me, dude. This has been great. Awesome. So uh, for, for people who are interested in finding out more about you, do you mind letting us know how they could um, contact you or if there's, if you have anything lined up in the next coming days? Yeah. So big thing right now is I'm, I'm filling up some rooms for the book club. I'm filling up rooms for some executive level mastermind groups, but really just, if you're looking to connect, find me on LinkedIn uh, find me on all the, the Instagram handles. Everything is at Dave Berlin. I'm, I'm like one of the only Dave Berlins on, out there. So it's easy to find me. And uh, also you can check out the website at davemeansbusiness.com. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is the, the podcast. That's been one of the biggest things that came from the pandemic for me. Uh, the Dave Means Business podcast. Uh, I interview people across all industries, all backgrounds, everybody with a story. And my goal is just to connect people with the most remarkable people that I've met along the way. Thanks so much. Uh, all the best to you and hope, I hope to see you soon. Oh yeah, man. We'll high five in real life for sure. Thanks so much, Dave, for joining us. If you want to learn more about him, feel free to click the links in the show notes. Just in case you want to know more about how to run your business, but you don't really want to listen and you just want to read it in shorter bite-sized formats, the Wedding Bosses podcast has a blog and that's where I post most of the cool information I find from different places. I also have a YouTube channel if you want to watch the interviews. All the links are in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening and if you've learned anything from today's episode, I'd really appreciate it if you write a review or subscribe to the show. That would really help a lot to keep the show going. Till then, play nice if you can't win. Be nice. Especially if you're good looking. This is the Wedding Boss's podcast. Mm -hmm.